Welcome to Joanna and the Maestro. Hello, Maestro. Okay, Stevie, you can magically become a composer, just one composer, for a day. And who would it be? You say first. Uh, Strauss. Strauss? Richard. Richard Strauss. Strauss. Small reason, just a tiny reason, very quick reason. Not long. Well, if anybody's listened to these podcasts, they would know that I'm very fond of him particularly. Perfect. And I'm going to have Rossini because he does things at the last minute and I liked him for writing overtures and throwing them out of the room he'd been locked in because the performance was that very night. I love him. Um, now, this question's for me alone. Joanna, what is the best James Bond theme and why? Well, I would have to say that the music I loved so much was on Her Majesty's Secret Service with Louis Armstrong singing We Have All the Time in the World. But the theme music to that was so beautiful that they actually brought it back for the very, very last Bond film in which Daniel Craig, playing our hero, James Bond, met the end of his life. Absolutely stunning, I adore it. But We Have All the Time in the World, it's up there with, well, Shirley Bassey and Goldfinger. Are you interested in my my favourite? No, because it's my question to me. No, I want to say, though, it's okay. Carly Simon singing No One, Nobody Does It Better. <laughs> He butts in on everything. <laughs> now, this is a giant, and one we talk about all the time. Bruce Carlin has written in, and he says, you could develop something I feel you missed in What's Wrong With Opera, sorry, Bruce, which is that in this country, what is wrong with opera is our awful class system, so that normal people simply don't think that opera, classical music generally, come to that, is for them. It's just for the entitled upper classes, and this is made worse by ticket prices, dress codes, etc., in Italy, everyone goes to the opera. It's part of life. But here, it is just for the posh. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We, I think, well, I know, I've been confronting this, uh, uh, this question of price, mm. of admission, ever since I left university and went into the profession. It's just been hanging in the air. Bruce, is it? Bruce? Yes, Bruce. Um, I, I also cannot agree... It's to do with a class system. You, of course, historically, um, all the arts grew out of the church's wealth, but also the church's interest in producing music um, and art and commissioning it. And then, of course, the royal courts um, also did the same. So historically, we wouldn't have great art at all except for those people who were interested and had the cash. Now, over the course of 500, 600 years, everything's developed. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the, the British particular system at the end of the 19th century, when it was municipalities who, who built, with the aid of benefactors, concert halls, and even um, in the case of Manchester, a man called Halle um, began the Halle Orchestra, which we have now to this day. But the whole point is that from that day on, all concert houses and, and, and opera theatres ha have strived to provide something that, for one, makes it possible for musicians to make a living, because historically, of course, musicians were just servants. And in, in certain cases, they had to play in monkey masks 
Now, did you know that back I did. in Haydn's day? I've seen little figures of tiny orchestras with as as if they were monkeys. Playing. That's right. They were so servants. women wouldn't fall in love with them because they looked so gorgeous. Or... They were servants. Yes. So, so in the towards the end of the nineteenth century, particularly in this country, um, we 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 then over a course of a hundred years, you may remember the union um, strikes, the musicians' union strikes, in the nineteen seventies, when finally. Um, we 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 managed to achieve for musicians and an understanding that um, that, that a living was necessary, and, and so these living costs have to be paid for somehow. So the costs of a symphony orchestra that means paying a wage to musicians who are still, to a certain extent, paid an average wage. Cut back the ticket prices. Come on, cut yes, back to it. Cut back. But this is the point. It's all about the economies of of of, of these things. Now, um, ticket prices actually. Let, let, let's cut to that first. But I do want to say that um, I do want to try and um, open the the question of the class system uh, because you, uh, my parents were. My mother became a teacher and my father worked on the railways. But they began going to the opera for half a crown at the Colosseum. Now, um, I can tell you that tickets for the Colosseum and all the opera companies in this country are available for people between the age of 18 and 25, and that age changes, and the National Theatre. Tickets are available for 10 quid, 15 quid. Um, Now... The basic scale of opera prices in this country is fundamentally between those lower price tickets um, up to about 75, 80 quid. Now, when you compare that with the West End Theatre, for example, or musicals um, anywhere in the country, you'll find that they are, in the main, they can be more expensive than opera tickets. And then I, I also did a little bit of research um, and, and had a look around at ticket prices for football grounds. So Manchester City, Chelsea, Fulham, uh, Liverpool. The, the, you can pay a great deal more than that. Um, and the average ticket price, I would venture, is um, equal and I would suggest slightly higher. So I think this is a bit of a myth. And Bruce, you also mentioned uh, dress codes. To be perfectly honest with you, in Leeds, Opera North, you go to Opera North or you go to Cardiff and see Welsh National Opera. Or in, in Glasgow, you go and see Scottish Opera. And, and, and you'll find people are not at all um, dressed in some sort of code. The, um, I, I think we all... We all, to a certain extent, think about what we'll dress up in when we when we go out, um, and I think you'll find that in the main audiences all over the world, pretty much, aren't aren't aware of a real dress code. Certainly in Italy, you'll find that because Italians like bella figura, you'll find them very well dressed there. But there's something much deeper than this, Stevie, which is that if you're not introduced to something, you don't like it because you don't know it. And as we've taken music, classical music, in all its forms, out of schools, 
it becomes something that you only get taught if people have got money to give you private lessons, which brings in the snob element. Are you rich enough to know about classical music? And do you go to toffs kind of gatherings where other secret society toffs rich enough to know about these things? This is what is so wickedly wrong with our country, which is that we've taken music, which is written for all people and should be listened to in a pair of jeans, a pair of pyjamas, um, a, a white tie and tails. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. The music is for everybody. And we've snatched it away from people, from most of the most of the general public as their children, because we don't teach it in schools. It actually makes me crosser than I can tell you. So, Bruce, thank you so much for bringing this up. And I'm sorry we got quite heated and unpleasant. <laughs> If you have a query for me or the maestro, we'd love to hear from you. So do get in touch with us on hello at joannaandthemaestro.com and that's it. <laughs> <laughs>